God has done through this time that we remember. And I called this today, There's Hope for You. And, uh, you know, I, I love what God is doing in the lives of the people that, that God's given me to minister to. I, I love to, to see people's lives being transformed and changed. We've, we've seen it young and old. I've seen people who've been in church all their lives begin to, you know, get to another level. I've seen a lot of people who are just coming to faith in, in Christ over the last few years. And, and, and it's, it's an exciting thing. But understand that that's what we're really given to, ex to, to extend or to bring to this world is, is the hope that's in Christ Jesus. We're, we're not bringing to them a, a perfect person. We're not bringing to them uh, somebody who, who uh, in ourselves that is, we're, we're bringing Jesus as the perfect person. But when we come and we minister to people or we witness to people, they got to understand that, that we're, not, we're not perfect individuals. You know, I love being able to be around people that don't know Christ uh, as much as I do around people who are, are fellow believers and people that we're standing together with. You know, it's pretty amazing to me uh, where, where God has put me in, in many times. But one of the, one of the things that, uh, that we want to get into is in Luke chapter 22. And, and I'm going to use the example of both what was going on in this last you know, week of Jesus' life, week to 10 days, but also the, the transformation that was set forth in Peter. You know, I, I relate a lot to Peter, not just because he and I, his personality is probably a lot alike, but also just the fact that he, he went from, from being somebody who was, you know, just kind of, I, I call it kind of, a, kind of a, uh, an accident waiting to happen. He was just somebody who would, you know, you know if, if, it, if it didn't find him, he, he caused trouble. Or, or, you know, there was just failure after failure in, in Peter's life. So many places where he stumbled, and yet God knew exactly, Jesus knew exactly what his, what his potential was. But let's, let's begin uh, talking about this, and let's look in chapter verse, chapter twenty-two, verse seven. It says, "Then it came the the, the day of unleavened bread, of on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover.' Now, understand this was a tradition that had been started, or a, a, a ceremony, something that they did as Jews." from the time of, of uh, the institution of Passover during uh, when they were in Egypt as slaves. Remember the story, most of you know the story probably of Moses where you know, God you know, called him from a burning bush and Moses had, had a miraculously been saved and, and miraculously raised, I mean, in Pharaoh's palace, and, and, but then, you know, killed a, an, an Egyptian soldier and had to flee. And he, he, he just leaves it all and just runs away and hides. And he's, he's, he's out there in the, in the wilderness. And, and all of a sudden, there's a burning bush and God comes to him, Moses, and he says, hey, I got a job for you. You know, you're going you're gonna to go deliver my people. And, and there's a lot more to the story, but that's the, that's the short version of it. But see, when God delivered them... Everything he was doing was painting a picture of how God was going to deliver mankind through Jesus. Moses was a type and a shadow of Jesus, not a perfect example of it, but a piece of it. You see it in Joseph's life. You see it in David's life. You see these, these pictures, these parts of who Jesus was. He's the complete package. But all throughout the Old Testament, they were painting pictures. They were, he was painting a picture. He was setting them up to see. And part of what happened when, when, when he was through that deliverance 
was he, he told them how to be preserved their firstborn and how to be preserved from the death angel. Well, what does salvation in Christ provide for us? Salvation uh, from death and, and ultimately eternal life. And so that's part of that. But uniquely, he, he has them do a something in that, uh, in that time that it was that the death angel would pass over and only kill the Egyptians firstborn. And that was because of their, the judgment that was on them because they, they would not obey God's command to turn his people loose or free. He'd given him a lot of chances. God was very fair with Pharaoh. I mean, it seems rough, but uh, in, the, in the whole, I don't want to get into a whole lot of that, but in, in the whole scheme of things of what's going on, you know, he finally gets to a point where he says, okay, enough is enough. Uh, I've given you every opportunity. Now here's the final, final deal. But he preserved his people by having them do with a lamb the, this process, and it really painted a picture of the crucifixion long before that was ever thought of, long before that was ever done. But the blood was significant. They ate the Passover meal. They, they consumed the lamb, but they took the blood and they put it on the doorposts of, the, of their house and that's where the blood protected them. And that's what they've been doing for all these hundreds of years that, that they had, had since that inst, it was instituted, all that time. And so it was the time of the year that was time for the Passover. So that's why Jesus is sending them. Now it's interesting here, he says, uh, they ask him, where do, you want to, where do you want us to prepare it? They asked. And he replied, he said, Enter the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to a house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, teacher, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found the things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover meal. Now something I'd never really thought of or never really noticed in the commentary here in my in my Bible pointed this out, there was a, they said a man carrying a jar of water or a water pot. Now that was odd. That was, out of, that was out of the normal picture. So he stood out like a sore thumb because the women carried the water pots, went to the well to get the water. It, it generally wasn't something that a man did. And yet this man is standing out. It, it, and it was easy to figure out where it was they were supposed to go and who it was they were supposed to contact. Don't you wish everything was that easy? Don't you wish God always just made it that plain, that simple, that easy? <laughs> Sometimes making decisions for God or, or, or decisions, what is your will, what is your direction, what are you saying, God? Sometimes it's a little fuzzy or sometimes it's a little bit difficult. But, you know, it's pretty awesome. He said, here's the way to do it. And, you know, they were just like, Jesus just gives an address. You know, I'll, I'll put it in my phone. You know, I had a guy, had, had three, had six steers get, get out, uh, calves get out and uh, had to go rope three of them because they wouldn't come in the pen yesterday and I had a guy coming over to help me rope these cattle and bring his horse and, and he'd never been to my house and you know I said you know I started describing it and I thought oh well, that's kind of dumb just give him the address and what did he do punched it in his phone it'd be nice if you know they could have said well hey just just hey I'll just pull it up on my maps and it'll all be good but they had to get direction some other way but the the way was just as clear as your GPS on your phone. Go to this place and it'll be clear. Go to this place and this man will lead you. He, he's your GPS. He's your, he's your address. He's your guidance. And when they got there, it was everything was just like Jesus said. Now, he goes on 
In verse 14, he says, And when the hour had come, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you that I will not eat it again until the, I, it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After this, he took the cup and he gave thanks. After taking the cup, he gave thanks. Take this and divide it among you, for uh, I tell you that I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the king, kingdom comes. And he took of the bread and he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them and said, This is my body, which is uh, given to you. This, do this in remembrance of me. In this same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Now, you've got to understand, you say, Wait a minute, he did a cup, and then he did a cup. What, what's, what's up with that? Well, they actually, during that, they would do four servings of wine, or four, four times that they would serve, is what I, what I began to read as I began to study this and, and begin to look at this. So, uh, you know, we could do uh, three or four, I guess, uh, cups during the uh, service. Would you all like four of those little cups, those tasty little Little pre-packaged, oh, no, let's don't. <laughs> but here's the thing. Jesus is establishing, first of all, he said, do it in remembrance of me. And then he said, look, this is my, this is my cup, and this is the, the representation of my blood, the new covenant of which I've provided for you. You know, uh, Jesus, it's interesting how he began this whole process not just to you know, do what had always been done. But he began to lead them in a, into a place and in a way. And this wasn't the first time that they'd heard of him suffering. He, he'd said this, you know, multiple times throughout the, the course of their walk with him. He, you know, this, the, the Son of Man is going to die. I'm going to go be suffering. I'm going to be turned over to me. He described what he was going to experience, but I don't think they fully understood it. It's just like when they're in the boat with him and, and you know, the storm's raging and he's asleep and then finally the, the, he stands up and calms the wind and they're like, oh, wow, who is this guy? It's like, dude, you've been walking with him for, you know, quite a while now and you still don't understand. You know, I think that's somewhat similar to how our life is in our experience with God. The, the reason that song, The God of All My Days, moves me so strongly is because of the remembrance of how God transformed my life when I gave my life to Him. But you know, it wasn't an instant thing. It wasn't an instant thing. I'd love to say, man, I just, I gave my heart to the Lord. I knelt down in that alfalfa field and said, God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go, do anything you want me to do. But you know, it was about a year's process to get to that point of surrender, and it was a two-year process before I began in ministry. And again, if you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, it does not mean that you're going to be a pastor of a church, okay? Just, just if God wants you to be a pastor of a church, you're going to be a, you know, that, that's, that's a good thing. But, but don't run from God or, or resist God because you think He's going to take you to a place you don't want to go. I can promise you the place that God takes you, wherever that is, will be the best place you've ever been, and it'll be the best life you could live. And that's what I, when I think about the God of all my days, you know, when I was, when I was doing sales, I, I mean, he, he caused me to excel at, at sales. When I was taking care of cattle for other people, I was, I was I, excelling at whatever I did. Whatever I did with God on, in, on, my, on my side and trusting my life to Him, he gave me favor. He gave me blessing. He, he enabled me to do these things that I couldn't have done on my own so much better. So that's the blessing of it. You may continue to do what you do, but you're going to do it with ease and, and an ability that you, that you didn't have before. It's, it's, it's different. Now, 
Does it mean all, it got, all of a sudden all my problems are gone? No, you're still going to have challenges and problems, but you've got a God with you that transforms, changes everything. Let's look at verse 24 here. Um, Jesus, uh, he said, a, a, a dispute also arose also among them to which, uh, to, to which to, of them was considered to be the greatest. And Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentile lord lorded over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you will be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. Who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you, and I am as, as one who serves. You are, those, you are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes. He says, ultimately, you're going to have what you think you want, but you got to understand right now, everything is different. I was reading some commentary, commentary talking about uh, Judas Iscariot and why he, why he betrayed Jesus. And, and, and speculation is, is that, that very possibly he realized that Jesus was not going to be the military leader and he was not going to take the to take the throne and, and bring bring the the kingdom like he thought it was and so he wasn't interested anymore then another thought was that he might betray Jesus put Jesus in a position that he would have to take his authority and power and destroy the Romans because it says he could have called 10,000 angels and pulled you know take taken himself out of the cross I watched a cool, we watched a cool movie last night can't remember what it was called. Uh, what was that called? Anyway, uh, dadgummit, I can't remember what it was, but this, they had these really cool powers, and they had these little, it was like a guy's time travel. I'll, I'll, I'll think of it. Anyway, it's on Netflix. Anyway, Sue's not up here. She could remember. But the power that they had was they could, bam, hit this thing, and, and it would send these waves. I mean, that's the way I think Jesus, at any time he could have went like this, and shock waves, it, it has blown everybody back. I mean, you know, the one time when they were going to throw him off a cliff, what did he do? He stopped, he walked right through them. They were frozen in time. All power. And I think Judas might have understood his power maybe better than some of the others because he, he might have been thinking about the fact that he could just obliterate all of this, set up, his, set up the, the, the kingdom that they all wanted to be a part of. And, they, and he was, he, he, when he realized he wasn't going to have any, any power, see, the, the difference in Judas was Judas was controlled and dominated by his flesh. He was greedy. He was taking care of the money. There was a lot of, a lot of things that were issues with him about how he did that. And, uh, and, and so, but here's the thing. Jesus was telling them the change and the tr is different. You're not gonna you're not gonna approach everything the same. He said you're you're not gonna be the one who's now wanting to take over. You're gonna be one that's gonna want to want to serve. You're not one one's wanting to control everything, but you're gonna be wanting to give to others. You're gonna be wanting to be like Jason said, a ble blessed to be a blessing. You're gonna want to be able to be better at things, to succeed at things, so that you have more to give. You, you want to be in a position that you can affect others' lives. And, and I think that's one of the things that we're all called to do. 
is begin to affect other people in, in great ways. Um, <clears throat> as I begin to as I begin to look at uh, this verse 24, I was looking down here at some of the, uh, at, at this commentary. It says, the most important event in human history was about to take place. And the disciples were still arguing about their prestige in the kingdom. Looking back, we say, this was no time to worry about status. But the disciples wrapped, were wrapped up in their own concerns, and they did not perceive what Jesus had been telling them about his approaching death and resurrection. What are your major concerns today? 20 years from now, as you look back, will these worries look pretty inappropriate, uh, petty and inappropriate? Yet your eyes, eyes, get your eyes off yourself and get ready for Christ's coming for, human, for, for the second time. See, the world system in leadership is very different from the leadership of the kingdom, God's kingdom. Worldly leaders are often selfish, arrogant, as they claw their way to the top. Some, some kinds of ancient worlds gave themselves the title of benefactors. But among Christians, the, leaders, the leader is to be the one who serves best. There are different styles of leadership. Some lead through public speaking, others through administration, some through their relationships. But every Christian leader needs to be a, have a servant's heart. Ask the people that you lead how you can serve them better. You know, that, that's a challenge to each one of us. You know, uh, my morning Bible study this last week, I was talking about, you know, I was going through the book of Ephesians, and I got on the part about how to, how to uh, husbands and wives walk and live together. I talked about, you know, basically you're, you're giving, you're serving one another, and, and that exchange, it doesn't give the right to dominate. Then, I, then it talked about worldly uh, uh, relationships in, in, in work and in business. It talked about how to, how to honor your, your parents and, and, and setting things in order. It's all that change of heart of, of, of not putting yourself always first, but being careful to look to others. You know, I, th I think about what transformed our marriage was the fact that, you know, I always joke about uh, Sue being hard-headed and selfish and stuff like that, and, and of course then I turn that around and quickly, you know, say I, I was terribly that way as well. But what transformed our, our, our marriage was the fact that we began to give to one another. We, we began to, to see the other's need. We, we began to not be worried about getting ours, but making sure that we give. And if we begin in our relationship with God, that we, we begin that whole process with God, allowing Him to be the one that transforms and changes, it, it'll be amazing how it begins to affect every other relationship. When we start with God, we, we begin with God and we say, okay, God, I'm coming to you. Think about your prayer life. You know, Easter is a good time to, you know, Holy Week's a good time to spend a little extra time with God. Come before God and come to God in prayer without asking for your needs first. Don't you love it? When, I love the little kids. You know, little, little, I always tell people two and three and four, those were wonderful. I love that because they just, man, I mean, I'd get home and they was like, Daddy! And they run to you and they jump, you know, give you a hug and all that stuff. And they're not going, hey, you got any money? <laughs> When they get a little older, it's like, hey, Dad, love you. <laughs> they get their hand out, you know, <clears throat> or, or whatever. No, it, 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 the relationship changes. But how many times do we get caught going to God only when we have a need? See, I love it whenever my, my kids want to spend time with me, not just because they need something. What, what about our relationship with God? See, if we learn to be a servant to God, Love God, come into His presence on a daily basis just because. 
We come into his presence because we love him. We come into his presence because he first loved us. And if we start our prayer life by saying, you know, God, you know, I'm coming to you and we, in, in prayer. And then eventually you get to a point where you would ask a need. But you focused on him first. You, you've been that servant. You've, been, you've, you've changed that relationship to say, God, I, God doesn't need us necessarily, but yet he wants us. And that connection with him, wouldn't that be interesting? Wouldn't that be a change also about other people? Man, I tell you what, I know, I know some of your businesses, some of your, your, your jobs, some of your things are very competitive. They're very driven. They're, it, it, you, some, some of you, you, you have to almost step on other people to be successful when you do things the world's way. But I can trust, I can guarantee you with this. When you begin to say, God, all that I do is as unto you. I want to do everything to help others win. I want, to help, I want to do everything to be a blessing to others. There's times you're going you're gonna to receive the bid or you're going to you know, you make the sale or you're going you know, to get the promotion. You're gonna, you, there's times you're going to get that at the expense of somebody else. That's just part of, of, of business and part of that. But other times you, you say, what, you know, God, uh, I'm going to put, if, if we begin our life and we say, God, I'm putting my trust and my hope and my faith in you, whether I succeed in this moment or not, whether, whether I receive the promotion or not, I, my promotion is in you. My faith is in you. My trust is in you. My, my uh, supply is in you. When we begin to, that, that's, that's how that begins to affect all areas of your life. And you know what? <clears throat> It'll help you to live better within your home, within your workplace, and, begin, and, and keep you in a position to be able to bless others and, and influence others. You know, uh, but, but listen, that's a process. You may say, man, I've already, you know, I've already, I've already done wrong in so many places. You know what? That's, what? that's what's so wonderful about the forgiveness that God provides through 1 John 1.9. Thursday, I was at the sale, and we were we were uh, there, there was a certain person that that you know God is just really getting a hold of them, and uh, you know Dakota's had a big influence on them. I, I I've I've been around them, and but you know God, when when the Holy Spirit begins to work, it's it's an amazing thing. And we were uh, we were sitting back there, and there was two or three of us, and there was a, a, a little delay in the sale. And we were just waiting, and and somebody was around lunchtime. Somebody was ordering food, and. And uh, somebody was calling in and saying, okay, you want something, you want something. And this, this individual said, uh, yeah, I want, I want something. And he said, you want anything to drink? He says, yeah, give me a Mountain Dew. Well, I don't think we have any Mountain Dew. And then she said, he said, this person said, <laughs> said, uh, just make sure it ain't a, and I won't, definitely won't use the word, but uh, it happened to start with an F, a Dr. Pepper. And she, she, this, this person said this, and, and, you know, they know I'm a minister, but they also know I'm just a cowboy, and we're just out there. I mean, you know, I've always told people, if you're going to work cattle and not use the bad words, you just need to find some not-so-bad words that you replace it with because you're going to say something because it's just that, that environment, you know. And so, but this was just casual conversation, and I, and I go, yeah, and make sure and don't get them a regular Dr. Pepper either. <laughs> Well, it was so funny because this person was like, didn't get it. I mean, did not get my joke. I mean, because it was so commonplace. Now, understand something. God is beginning to transform this person's life. 
But it was so funny because the, the, they were, it, it was so far beyond what, what their realm of, of, of connection and relationship was with. And I really wasn't correcting them. I was just being kind of funny. I was just, you know, just making a joke. Well, later on, we're riding down the, the, the deal, and she goes, man, I'm trying. I really am. And I said, man, no condemnation, dude. I, I'm, I am not at all judging you. And I, I just patted her on the shoulder, and I said, you know what? It's a process, and it begins here, and you go down the road, and it takes time. I said, it doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. It, it, it's a process. But here's the, here's the beginning of that process. It's a willingness to say, God, I'm with you. I want to I be yours. And on a daily basis, and every time you fall down and stumble, you get back up and you, and you say, okay, God, I'm coming back to you. I'm walking with you. It's, it's such a process. See, he's trying to teach them. It's going to be a new thing. It's going to be different. Now, we've got the mess, and I don't, I'm not going to take the whole time to do this, but I, I want to talk about G, uh, Peter. And look here, in, uh, look here in verse 31. <clears throat> it says, Simon Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. He says, sift all of you as wheat. But he's talking specifically to Simon Peter. He says, Simon, Simon. Now, something that's interesting is this. He used his... his formal name or his, or his name before he got the revelation of Jesus. In Matthew 16, he got the revelation that Jesus was Christ, remember? And he changed his name. He said, you're no longer Simon, you're Peter. Peter in the, in the Greek means a rock. He said, you, and, and boy, I mean, he makes a big deal. He said, the gates of hell have not prevailed. This is what I'm building my kingdom on. Is this revelation of who I am? So Peter he, he's got the revelation, but he's still failing in walking this out. But he said, he said, uh, goes on and he says, uh, verse 32, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail and that you have, and that when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. In other words, he's going to, he says, you're going to fall away, but when you've turned back, see, when you come back around, he says, strengthen your brothers. See, he had a plan and a purpose for him. And, and, and the, the, the amazing thing was is he knew who he was when he called him. He knew who, who, how many times he was going to fall and fail, but he still knew that Peter was going to end up where he was called to be. Verse 33 says, But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison or to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, that before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. You'll deny that you know me. I wrote in my Bible, but, but he still loved Peter and had a plan for him. Verse 35, then Jesus asked them, but when I sent, uh, but when I sent you, I sent you without a person bag and sandal. Did you lack anything? Nothing, he said. But he said, but now, if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag, and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written, as he was numbered with the transgressors, I tell you that you, this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching the fulfillment. You know, uh, there's a profile in here on, on Peter in, in another over in Matthew. I'm going to read this. Jesus' first words to Simon Peter were, come follow me. 
His last words to, Jesus, or to Peter were, you must follow me in John 3, 21, 22. Every step of the way between those two challenges, Peter never failed to follow even though he often stumbled. See, when I, when I made this title up, there's hope for you. There's hope for all of us. And every time we fall and fail, we, we can remember the example of Peter, and, and that's what this is all about. This is what's so exciting about how God begins to work in, in the process of our life. You know, if, there, if there's one thing that, that I just try to get across to people all the time, it's that don't run from God, run to God. But understand, keep coming to God. Remember, Jesus knew that Peter was going to turn back to him. Uh, it goes on, it says, when, when Jesus entered Peter's life, this, this plain fisherman became a new person. A new person with new goals and new priorities. See, it blesses my heart because that was me. But it's also so many of you and so many others that are watching and so many others that, that I'm able to, to minister and connect with, the people that may or may, or may not ever come into this building. But yet we have a, you and I have an opportunity to connect with them. You connect with some that I can't ever connect to. But I connect with those, and sometimes we build on what others have said and others have done, and, and that's what I love to see because God sees us as plain of us. He knew Peter exactly who he was and how many times he was going to fall and fail, and yet he, he, he called him, and that's the way we all are. Is that Jesus is, is making that statement. He's speaking to us. He did not become a perfect person. However, he never stopped being Simon Peter. When we wonder what Jesus saw in Simon that made him greet this potential disciple with a new name, Peter the Rock. Impulsive Peter certainly didn't act like a rock much of the time. But when Jesus chose his followers, he wasn't looking for models. He was looking for real people. He chose people who could be changed by his love. And then he sent them out to communicate that his acceptance was available to anyone even to those who often fail. We may wonder what Jesus sees in us when he calls us to follow him, but we know Jesus accepted Peter, and in spite of his failures, Peter went on to do great things for God. Are you willing to follow Jesus? You know, <clears throat> I think there's many reasons why people hold back. You know, there's some people who are, who are beginning to yield, or, and many of you have, have made that choice and that decision, but, but there's also those that are still resisting. People that I know, people that I talk to, you probably know people like that. They're still resisting. They're, they still got their heels dug in. They're still just afraid to completely commit to God for one reason or another. You know what? I, I just tell you that if you see those people, you know those people. You don't have to try to cram the gospel down their throats. You just keep them lifted up in prayer because the Holy Spirit can do the work better than any of the rest of us. You know, one of the things that I always pray for, like with my kids that are way off, out, not living here, that God brings people into their lives, speaks in their lives. I've had opportunity to be in many kids, young people's lives, younger than me, people's lives, who I guarantee you they're here because they had a praying grandma or, 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 or mama. Or, or somebody, that maybe a Sunday school teacher, maybe a, a school teacher that saw the need for their life to be transformed and changed. I'm thankful that we can be, continue to lift them up in prayer. Now I'm going to close with this. 
Understand something. Peter went from, he, he then denied Jesus three times. We know that. But when, when, when the day of Pentecost came and, Jesus, and Peter got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, he was the one who did the most. On that initial time, and I'm going to close with 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. Peter made a, a statement here. He said, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, or hand, that he may lift you up in due time. You know, Peter went from being that prideful, over-the-top personality, failure, whatever, all the things he was, to being one of the most influential people in the early church. And this is how he learned to live. He, he said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And this, this is the next verse, but cast all your anxiety on him for he cares for you. But humble yourself under, uh, verse 6, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he may lift you up in due time. You know, that's where we got to be. God doesn't, like Peter, God doesn't ask us to be perfect. He asks us to be humble enough to say, God, okay, God, I'll, I'll give you my life. I'll, I'll do what I do and all that I do for you. You bless me, I'll, I'll bless others. You, you make things difficult, I'll bow up under it and walk through it and, and be a demonstration of how we get to the other side. Whatever it is, I'm going to do it with you. And it's, a, it's a choice and a decision to say, God, I'm going to humble myself under your mighty hand. And that's what Peter finally did. I, I didn't read the verse over in John 21, uh, 20, 21, but Jesus, after he was resurrected, he came to Peter. And three times he called him and said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Do the work that I've called you to do, basically. He restored Peter. As we get ready to close today, uh, or as we close today, I, you know, I just want you to realize that there's hope for all of us. And really, no matter what we are holding on to that would keep us from total surrendering to God. Fear, you know, your own goals, maybe, maybe hurt from past things or disappointment, whatever it be, with everything that God asks of, of us, He gives us a way to receive and be restored. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we just come before you and Lord, this, can, this, this fits us all to some degree. It can fit any, any one of us uh, in very specific ways. Father, I thank you and I praise you. You see us in our weakness. You see us in our, our strength. You see us in our, in our goodness. And you see us in our, in, our, in our worst. And Lord, yet you loved us enough to, to die for us. You loved us enough to provide for us interest into your kingdom and, and, and relationship with the living God. Father, I thank you and I praise you that just like Abram, you, you weren't trying to take away, you're trying to give to. So Lord, for with everything in our life, that I, I pray that you know every heart, you hear every heart who's, who's sitting here today and who's listening and watching this. And that Lord God, if there's any areas of our life, if it's surrendering to you, to, that you be our Lord, that, that we that we receive you in our heart and our life, that we finally give up and say, okay, Lord, I, I, I give you my life. I confess you as Lord. I receive you. Forgive me. If that's the case, if that's the, the, the place that we're at, and Father, I praise you that you receive that. Lord, I thank you also 
if there's those that, that, that you're saved, but man, you're still holding on to a whole lot of your life and you're gripping it with all you can hold on to. You're holding on to bitterness or you're holding on to past or you're holding on to your failures. You're holding on to what you want. That, that if you're ready to do that, that you can release that to God and God take that from you and bring you blessing upon your life that you've never, never fathomed. Father, I praise you that, that you see those as well. That, Lord God, that we'll humble ourselves under your mighty hand and allow all that you have for us to come in our life. We praise you for this. And we ask that as we go into this Easter season, this time of remembrance, all you did for us, that, Lord, we'll be transformed and changed, brought to a higher level than we've ever been before. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, part of the process of, of, uh, of the whole process is sometimes making it known, praying, asking for help, and, and coming. If you need, you can message me or you can get my number. I think it's around on a lot of stuff. Uh, but you can connect with somebody and ask them to help you along as you go in that, 